Today we are going to continue on in our series we started a few weeks ago called Central, and we're working our way through the book of Galatians. And so we started this three weeks ago. We've done two weeks in this series. This is week number three in the series so far. And so each week we're going through a chapter of the book of Galatians. And so we did chapter one the first week, chapter two the second week, and now today we're going to be going through the third chapter in the book of Galatians. And so if you've been here the first two weeks, uh, you kind of have an idea of what we talked about. If not, I'm going to do just a little kind of real quick recap of what we talked about the first two weeks to catch you up before we get into this morning's message. And so chapter one in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church there in Galatia, and they're having an issue where they're kind of struggling with letting go of the Old Testament covenant. They're letting, struggling to let go of the Old Covenant a little bit, where he's telling them, he's saying, you guys, there's only one true gospel, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's only one true gospel, but they're kind of struggling with letting go of this idea of the Old Covenant. And he's, he's saying, you guys, it's foolish to try to hold on to that. You have to let go of that and grab a hold of the grace and mercy that comes through Jesus Christ. And that's what he's trying to teach them. And, and, and for us today, we, we learn that, you know what, there's many people that are still trying to kind of hold on to that Old Testament covenant as well. But yet we need to grab a hold of the grace and mercy that comes through the covenant of Jesus Christ. And then two weeks ago in the second chapter, we, we looked at the point... Of that responding to the gospel literally means to give yourself away. That was one of the things we looked at. Was responding to the gospel means to literally give yourself away. And we talked about this, this idea of being justified. And we're going to look at that a little bit more today, of being justified somewhat as we look at chapter 3 of Galatians here as well. But in, in chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul says this. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He's making this point that when we are born again, when we give our heart to the Lord, we now belong to who? To God. Saying, I, I no longer belong to myself, I now belong to the Lord. And so, I have a question for you this morning. Is there anything that you find impossible to do? Is there anything you find impossible to do? Right? Yeah, I think most of us would agree. There's things that we see and we find that are impossible for us to do. Right? How many of you this morning, you'd be honest and you'd go, you know what, it's, it's hard for me to do a push-up. That's difficult for me to do. Or how about, is there anyone in your morning who goes, you know what, maybe I can do a push-up, but it's hard for me to bend over and touch my toes without bending my knees. Maybe that, that's one that is tough, you know? The flexibility just isn't quite there anymore. Did you know that it's actually proven that they say it's actually impossible for someone to tickle themselves? Like, even if you're the most ticklish person in the world, they say you're not able to tickle yourself. Did you know that it's impossible, they say, to sneeze with your eyes open? When you sneeze, your eyes shut. I recently watched a video where someone offered a challenge to people that he said, if you can complete this impossible task, I will pay you $100. And what was the task, you may be wondering. The task was simply this. 
he handed them a blank piece of paper. And he said, fold this paper 12 times. Fold this paper 12 times. If you can do that, I will pay you $100. It is proven scientifically that an 8.5 by 11 inch piece of paper cannot be folded more than 11 times. It's proven. And so it went on in this video that people started to try to grab it and they started trying to fold it. And, and you have to like keep doubling it over. You can't, you know, obviously just fold the corner or fold. You have to keep just doubling it down, doubling it down. You cannot fold it more than 11 times before you're unable to fold it again. But if they could fold it 12 times, he said, I will give you this $100 bill. But it's scientifically impossible, as I said. But if you want to give it a try, be my guest. And so this morning, I would say, if you want to come up here, go ahead and try. I'm not giving out $100 bills. <laughs> um, not that I feel like any of you would be able to do it anyhow. But I don't have the luxury that if someone was able to actually somehow do it, I don't have $100 to be able to give out. Um, but here's the situation. The person in the video told them it was impossible. So of course, people are like, no, I can do that, right? That's always, that's their response. No, I can do that. So people, they say, if I'm rewarded with money, I'll try it. So they start coming up and they're attempting what they are told is impossible or what they believe is impossible. Why do I bring that up this morning? Why do I, why do I get us thinking about that? Because that's part of the problem and part of the struggle that the people in the Galatian church were dealing with. That's part of the struggle that they were having, is that they were trying to achieve something that was literally impossible. They were trying to do something that they were incapable of being able to do on their own. So today as we get into chapter 3 of the book of Galatians, we're going to start at verse number one. So feel free to follow along in your Bible or on the screen behind me as well. So verse number one reads, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Right? You, you read that and you go, hey, that's a little bit harsh. Right? In the beginning of the paragraph, it starts by Paul calling them what? Foolish Galatians. We kind of, this is kind of a theme that's going on over and over again in the book of Galatians where he's calling them foolish or he's kind of questioning them a little bit where he's, he's not afraid. He doesn't pull punches when it comes to what he says to them. He calls them foolish because some of them are trying to achieve what? They're trying to achieve salvation on their own. Again, they're trying to do something that is impossible. 
Why? Because you and I, just as the Galatians or just as anyone else, we have no ability to achieve salvation on our own. It is impossible. It's foolish to think that you can work for or earn your salvation on your own. And we understand that from two weeks ago when we looked at the second chapter of Galatians, that salvation comes by faith in Jesus alone. For those of you who were here for that message, we talked about a big word, right? And I said it earlier, justified or justification. And it says in the Bible that we are justified through Christ. Right? We are justified in Christ. In order to be one with God, you must be righteous, holy, and perfect without sin. Right? How many of us in here are righteous, holy, and perfect without sin? Just kidding. No, right? None of us. Right? None of us here in this room are righteous, holy, and perfect without sin. So how can we be righteous enough to be accepted by God? How can we be holy enough to be accepted by God? How can we be perfect without sin? The answer is, we obviously can't. Why? Because it's impossible. Only through Jesus are we able to be seen as righteous, holy, and perfect without sin. Because we have been justified through Jesus. Through God's eyes, we have been justified. That is what we remember this morning when we celebrate communion. Is that we have been justified through Christ. We've been redeemed through Christ. It's just as if I had never sinned. Right? We, in our, our community group on Wednesday night, we talked about that. Sometimes we think about justified. And what is that? Sometimes the easiest way to remember is just as if I had never. Just as if I had never. Because it can be a hard word for us to always understand. Last week I used the illustration, or two weeks ago, sorry, of that, the old school balance scale. Right? Where you have to put an object on one side and you put counterweights on the other side. And you, you figure out how much it weighs by continuing to put counterweights on it until it balances out. And the only way that works when it comes to justification or righteousness is Jesus on one side and righteousness on the other side. Right? We cannot put enough good works on one side to ever right, balance out righteousness. Only Jesus can balance out righteousness. So what is God telling us this morning? What do we learn from Galatians chapter 3 this morning? There's three different things we can learn this morning. Number one, if we try to live by the law, we will fail every single time. If we try to live by the law, we will fail every single time. If you try to impress, impress God by doing good deeds, you will fail every time. Just like in the example we gave, right? If we hold this piece of paper and we try to fold it 12 times, you are not going to succeed. It's just impossible. It's impossible to be saved by living according to the law. Do you know what it looks like in the eyes of God to just do a bunch of good deeds without salvation? The Old Testament actually shares a verse with us that clearly and vividly describes this. I'm going to share it from two different translations. The first one, uh, this is Isaiah 64, 6, comes from the English Standard Version, the ESV. It says, We have all become like one who is unclean, 
and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Or in the New King James Version, this is the one that we often hear, it's said in this way. But we are like an unclean thing, and our, righteous, and our righteousnesses are like, what? Filthy rags. Right? Our best attempt at being righteous is like a bunch of filthy rags. Our best attempt at being a bunch of good deeds is like a bunch of filthy rags. The polluted garments, or the, the filthy rags described here, are words for what we know as a used napkin. Right? Right after you get done eating and, and you wipe your face off and you wipe your hands off. That's what it is. A used napkin. That's how gross our good deeds are without salvation to God. It's like saying, here I am, God. Look at how good I am and the righteous things I've done without you. And he looks at you disgusted as if you've shown him a used napkin. Gross. I don't think he's real impressed. Second thing we can learn is the righteous live by faith. The righteous live by faith. Looking back at Galatians chapter 3, now we're going to pick it up at verse number 10. It says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Paul states that by trying to live by the law, you are literally living underneath a curse. Because you're trying to achieve this level of righteousness in whose strength? Your own. Which you're never going to be able to achieve. The only way you can achieve the righteousness that God requires is through living a life by faith. How do we apply faith? Well, that's answered in verse 13. And that's the third thing we learned this morning. That Christ redeems us. Christ redeems us. Verse 13, Paul says this. We have been redeemed by Christ. Does anyone know what the word redeemed means? What does the word redeemed means? Let's say you open up a newspaper and in it there's an advertisement for a new pizza place that's opening up next weekend. And on the ad in the bottom right corner, there's a coupon for a free slice of pizza. So you cut up the coupon out of the newspaper, and the next week you go to the new pizza place and you say, I'd like to redeem this coupon for my free slice of pizza. And they say, okay, here's your free slice of pizza because you brought us the coupon. Christ has redeemed many believers in the same way. I have sinned against God. I have been found guilty of my sin. My punishment is what? Is to be eternally separated from Him. But Jesus rep 
represents the coupon that says, I paid the punishment for your sin. I paid the punishment for your sin. Jesus pays the price for our eternal life. Jesus is the coupon that's given to God. Salvation is not something that we earn, nor something that we can achieve on our own, nor something that we deserve, frankly. Right? I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But through God's grace and His mercy, God desires to have a relationship with us because He loves us. And that's why He created us. Because He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to commune with you daily. Jesus paid for it all. And there's literally nothing that you and I can do to save ourselves. Our only hope is to put our faith in Jesus to save us from sin. And the penalty of death. And hell. That's the only thing we can do. Is put our faith in Jesus. Because if we don't, we know what our eternity holds. It's separation from Him forever. And hell. So how does this message apply to us today? What is an application for us? It's simple. Number one, we have to respond to the gospel. Responding to the gospel. So what does that mean? Maybe you're in here this morning, and you have not responded to the message of the gospel yet. Maybe you have not given your heart to the Lord. And you're saying, you know what? It's time that, that I, I stop trying to live by good deeds. It's time that I start realizing, that, you know what? I haven't really lived by faith. I haven't given my heart to the Lord and said, you know what, I, I just surrender everything and I want to live by faith and, and live according to what the gospel of Jesus Christ says. I want to move beyond the Old Testament covenant. I want to move beyond any other type of teaching. And I want to truly live for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to respond this morning. And so what I simply want to do this morning, before we get any further, is I want to give an opportunity to respond in that way. And so what I'm going to ask is, quite simply, is that everyone will bow their heads. We're going to have a moment where people are going to have an opportunity. So with no one looking around, with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if you would like to respond to the gospel this morning, say, you know what? I desire to live by faith and surrender my heart to the Lord. Whether it's for the first time or maybe you've wandered away from the Lord and you're saying, you know what, I need to recommit my heart to the Lord and today is the day I want to do that. I simply want you to just put your hand up in the air and put it right back down. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. But if that's you this morning, I simply want you to just quickly put your hand up and you put it right back down. Awesome. Praise the Lord. What I'd like to do now is if you responded this morning or you've ever responded before by asking Jesus.
kindness of your heart, I'd just like you to repeat after me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live the perfect life, to go to the cross, to be the sacrifice, and pay for my sins. I give my life to you from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. And the second way this message applies to us this morning is to live by faith. So after we've made that commitment to the Lord, after we've responded to the gospel, it is to continue to live by faith. And that's easier said than done. It's not always easy to live by faith. It's not always easy to say, you know what? I feel like this is what God is asking me to do and to simply just respond and be obedient to what God is asking us to do in our lives. It can be difficult. But that's the picture that the gospel is telling us. That's what the picture gospel Paul is, is painting for us here in Galatians chapter 3. Is that we, in order to live gospel-centered lives, we must respond to the gospel and we must live by faith. Why? Because the gospel is the good news. And the good news is how people come to know who the Lord is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We must respond and we must live by faith. And so this morning, Rachel, if I could get you to come back up and just be on the keyboard. We're going to close out our time this morning with prayer.